For 75 years, Ray's Restaurant in Bridgeport has been serving quality meals from their family to yours. You know, back in the day when I worked at the Pizza House, John Land told me one time that nobody could cut a tomato better than Ralph Gray. Said he used every single part of the tomato and wasted nothing. So I would assume that they're still cutting tomatoes pretty darn good at Gray's. And, and also, you know, they can cut steaks and they've got fantastic catfish dinners and tenderloins. And as Gary and Chip and Dave will attest, fantastic cheeseburgers that we have taken part in many, many times. As Steve Anderson says it on the trading post back in the day on WAKO, 618-945-9501, Let the Gray family cook for your family today. Since 2002, People's State Bank has supported Lawrence County and served their financial needs in four different locations. Bridgeport, Sumner, St. Francisville, and Lawrenceville. Stacy Moore, our fellow Saluki, and his staff are so happy to help you. And, and just like they help youth sports and 4-H events, they've sponsored Pack the Place. And, well, now they're helping out with this podcast, and we truly appreciate their sponsorship. All kind of financial needs. Whatever you need, just go see the folks at People's State Bank. Again, it's in Bridgeport, Sumner, St. Francisville, and Lawrenceville. For all your financial needs, go see People's State Bank. We are looking for insurance. We hope that you would call the Andrews Insurance Agency at 542 Main Street in Bridgeport. Terry Andrews and Justin Shear are your independent agents and they're your professionals for all of your farm, commercial, and personal insurance needs. And they've been strong supporters of Red Hill Athletics for decades. So if you're brought down by a pack of dogs, get off your seats and on your feet and see T-Bone or Juice and give them a call at 618-945-2881 at the Andrews Insurance Agency. You know, we hear all the time about Detroit-style pizza, Chicago, New York. Well, there's nothing better than Bridgeport-style pizza, and the place to get that is Tyler Griffin's Pizza House right there across from the football field in Bridgeport. They're open Tuesday through Sunday, 4 to 9. You can pick up a pizza or have one delivered right to your door for your convenience, especially when it's this cold outside. And this month, you are in for a treat. You know, their employees pick a specialty pizza of the month every every month. And this time, it is the Western Barbecue Pizza. Now, listen to this. It's got barbecue sauce, hamburger, onions, cheese, gourmet onion rings on top. Stop the presses. You got to call 945-3663 and try one of these babies out. Tyler Griffin's Pizza House. Welcome to episode 20 of the Old School Red Hill Podcast. We truly, truly appreciate that. Coming to you from the very, very cold studio, high above the 18th green at Country Oaks Golf Club in Montgomery, Indiana. I am with my usual cast of characters. 
the guy that had the idea for this whole thing, Mr. Chip Jamerson. How are you, my man? Doing great. Good to see all of you. Episode 20, at least by my count. Sounds good to me. <laughs> there was a little bit of, uh, we need to look that up. We were thinking because the, the first Meet the Host with David King was a bonus episode. So um, we're trying to decide if that counted. <laughs> Count it on our list or not. We'll look that up while we're, while we're going here. Uh, next up on the list, speaking of Meet the Host, what a popular episode that was, and that starred you, David King. How are you? Good. How are you guys? Doing good. Doing good. good. And last but not least, star quarterback, point guard, pitcher. What else, Chip? What else was it? Prom King. Oh, stop. You guys. Third third baseman at OCC. Father. Good morning, everybody. How are you guys? Gary doing? Emmons. <laughs> hey, Gary. Off that. Yeah, okay. I just looked it up. David King was episode 19, even though he was called a bonus episode. So, so Dave, what was it like being on the other end of the interview chair? Uh, weird. But <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> no, I got a lot of, lot of good comments on it. And, and, there's, a, there's, a first, there's a first and last time for everything. So. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to decide. Uh, we've got some shows that we'll talk about here in just a minute. We'll, we'll decide uh, when we're going to do our next Meet the Host and who the victim of that will be. But, uh, hey, first, while we're on the David King episode, let's go ahead and decide to pose the question, who won... The Meet the Host, David King. And the winner is... All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. Well... I know, I guess I'll go first. I always go last, so I'll go first this time. You know, I thought a lot about this and, and who who shaped and and molded the young David King, and I don't know that anybody had a bigger part in his life and still does, quite frankly. Um, you've, you've been to Vegas and, and seen these people, so I think Def Leppard deserves who won the David King episode. Dave, I mean, I've, I've seen him 10 times in concert. So. That, that was my question. You've seen him several times and you've seen him yeah. in Vegas. Where all, where else have you seen Def Leppard? Uh, first time was in Champaign when I was a freshman. Up at U of who, who, went, who went to that show with you? Uh, John Putney, Vinny, Vinny. Oh, wow. Two from Vinny, shout out, Vinny. Some guys, some guys from my fraternity up there. but uh, And I've seen him in uh, Deer Creek and Indy. Yeah, whatever it's called now. Yeah, all, clips, all I think. yeah. Um, I've seen him up there four or five, probably four or five times, and Vegas a couple times, and Evanzo once. Cool, good show. But I, th- I saw. Speaking of that, I saw a T-shirt the other day, or not too long ago, online. It said, "It'll always be Deer Creek to me." I thought that. Was, yeah, pretty <laughs> much. That was awesome. So I, I, I picked Def Leppard. Uh, let's just go to you, Dave. Um, who do you think? Now, obviously, David King could not win this award. So, uh, Dave, in your mind, who won the David King episode? I'm going back because I, I always love talking about this, the great, the greatest performance of Red Hill history that <laughs> meant absolutely nothing. Um, <laughs> but um, 
I'm, I'm giving it to Kelly Tucker. Um, oh, Kelly Tucker. Uh, the, the option pitch. I mean, that kid that kid keeps it, keeps the ball, fakes me out of my shoes probably, and probably scores a touchdown on his on his own. And what but, and what would we be talking about today had he done right. that? But but he didn't do that. He decided to pitch it right into my hands and set up a fifty yard uh, fifty yard uh, interception return for a touchdown. So thanks, awesome. Kelly. <laughs> yeah, good job, Kelly. I think Kelly made it uh, an appearance on the on the webs or the Facebook page this week, didn't he? Oh yeah, his Slim came home T-shirt. Yeah. I think Denny posted oh, that. Yeah. yeah. Where were you when Slim came home? I know where I was. That'll get its own episode someday, I'm sure. Oh, without two, two Vinny mentions already. Now three Vinny mentions already <laughs> on the podcast. Gary Emmons, <laughs> who, Gary Emmons, who won uh, the David King episode? I'm sticking with the I'm sticking with the the, the great night in August when David King had the greatest blue white game in the history of oh, blue white yeah. games. And uh, the referee that evening was our sponsor, Terry Andrews. And uh, after Dave is now a roll, he's got two touchdowns, defensive lineman stud. T-Bone goes to Coach Evans and said, Coach, I think you got a player on your hands here. And the rest was history. (laughs) (laughs) And boy, was he right. You have a player on your hands. Yep, ended up winning more games that year than they won the year before. So uh, definitely a boost to the team. Yeah, yeah. Didn't quite, didn't quite stick with that defense, though, did I? So, <laughs> so Chip Jamerson, in your eyes, who won the David King episode? Well, because this, I'm going to give to this person. This person literally won one of the biggest episodes of David King's life, and that's Alan Walls. So <laughs> Alan Walls won the podcast for defeating <laughs> David King for the 15th uniform on the 8th grade team in the 86, 80, or the 87, 88 uh junior high season so alan walls is your winner just imagine, just imagine how the trajectory of red hill basketball might have changed in the early 90s yeah well for you sure if, 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 he, if he hadn't pulled that i out. i truly have to believe that coach dixon's <laughs> lost some sleep since listening to this podcast knowing <laughs> knowing that he shattered the hoop dreams of young david king <laughs> Or, or I guess technically Nancy King shattered it because she was feeding you too much and that one uniform wouldn't fit. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> seventh grade number 12 is not quite cut. That <laughs> so we've got uh, to move on. We've got some good episodes coming up. And um, we were supposed to um, actually have a, a whopper of an, of an episode today. Um, we were all going to be in the studio socially distance, of course, and we were going to interview Coach Fred Kendall and go over his lengthy career at Red Hill, and we were excited to do that. But with the weather iffy and Coach Kendall was going to drive over here from from uh, from Illinois and, and Chip was going to travel all the way down from central Illinois, and with as iffy as it was, we kind of thought, let's hold off a couple of weeks. And so we're going to have in and record uh, Fred Kendall two weeks from uh, today, which is Saturday, which is what, the 27th? Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So we're going to interview Coach Kendall on the 27th, so that will come out on Monday the 29th. And so then we kicked around, well, we want to have a show. What can we do? And uh, Gary came up with a really good idea that we're going to actually be able to involve all of the listeners on. So, Gary, you want to talk about what we're going to do today? Absolutely. Well, I can't take credit for this. This was actually Justin Shear that came up with this idea when we um, we were, were talked about having Coach Kendall in and to talk about his amazing uh, career at Red Hill. And uh, Justin had the idea that maybe we could kind of rank or seed all of Coach Kendall's uh, boys teams 
and to kind of have just like a hypothetical tournament. So I think today what we're excited to do is that we're going to kind of talk about, we kind of narrowed it down to the um, probably his six best teams in his 10 years here and uh, to have an opportunity to kind of talk about those teams a little bit, what they accomplished, their records, best players. And then I think we're going to be able to put something out on Facebook sometime soon so we can get the listeners involved to kind of see what they think um, about what they, how, they, how they think these teams should be seeded in this hypothetical tournament. And then maybe we can go from there with actually following through and having said tournament. Yeah, and you know what maybe we could do is, is if we do the tournament prior to, might be fun to have Coach Kendall fill out his bracket yeah. See what the fans and players how they voted, and then see how that matches up with co- what coach uh, what coach Kendall thinks. That would that would be a lot of fun. So, so we're going to do that today again in two weeks. We're going to interview uh, the great Fred Kendall, and then we've got just show after show that we're working on planning and uh, looking looking really really forward to continuing this podcast. And and if we haven't gotten to uh, a a topic that you want yet, I'm sure we probably will. But don't hesitate to let us know on the Facebook page if you if you don't want to put it out there publicly, send us a private message. We're all on there, and uh, we would be be very happy to to make sure that we're not only doing what we want to do. Um, but also what, what you'd like to hear as well. And we're going to, uh, if we've proven nothing so far, um, no topic is too small for us to dive into and, uh, and have some fun with. So Gary, why don't you, do you want to just kind of go over the bracket, kind of where we're at, um, what teams yeah, we're thinking I, I of? I think it would be, I always like to kind of talk about just a quick summary of coach, of coach Kendall's because some people may not, um, uh, realized or understand the impact that he had on Red Hill basketball when he when he first came in as a, an assistant back in 80, 86, I believe it was, or um, 86 or 87, he yeah, came in. And yeah, 86, his, um, his matter of fact, his coaching debut at Red Hill would have been at uh, Double Days in the 86 football season. Yeah, so he was hired in 86, and, um, you know, then uh, Ed Chappell was a coach for a couple of years, then Coach Kendall got his opportunity, and we'll get into a lot of the, the back stories of that and some of the players that went to bat for him, which was really, really cool. But just kind of as a, his 10 years as boys coach at Red Hill, he compiled 163 and 115 record. He won five out of his eight, or he was coached for five out of eight uh, basketball, uh, Capital Classic Championships, went to seven regional titles in 10 years and won four, four, four regionals, had a sectional title, multiple NEC coaches of the year, but his five-year run at the beginning is incredible. 106 and, 106 and 35 record in those first five years. Two NEC, NEC titles, three Capital Classics, which included three in a row, 90, 91, 92. Two regionals, a sectional. Had six players make first uh, first team all, all NEC. So the guy had just a, an amazing, amazing run. And uh, like I said, he I always kind of classify Coach Kendall as a pretty unique guy hard worker, expected a lot out of his kids, and uh, he got it. And he probably got the most. And I know he has some disappointments with some of the the, 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 the end of the seasons and kind of how some of these seasons ended, some in heartbreak. But, you know, I think it would be fun to kind of start with his first team and kind of just go through some of the some of this team. And, you know, again, this Dogtails book that Eldon Shears put together has, has been an, an amazing resource for our podcast. So I'm yeah. not sure if Eldon listens, but thank you, Eldon, for putting this together. Yeah, for sure. Thank you to him. And I also wanted to, you know, again, thank you to the uh, estate of Dick Poppy for, for all those uh, daily records that are online. And, uh, and if you ever want to go back and do any research on your own, just go to the Lawrence County Public Library, and and uh, there's a little link there. It's got his picture, and you can take it right there, and you can search search newspapers like we do all the time.
time for these podcasts. Um, and l- let's talk about dog tales for just a second. Um, and, and I don't know, maybe we can try to find out by the Kindle episode where, where you can get a copy of these books. Um, if you don't have one, because it is, it's incredible. Chip, talk about dog tales. Well, dog tales was, um, so Eldon and Janice Shear put this together and they, they are the owners of the dairy D so, um, closed right now for the season, but I'm sure that you can contact them. I was going to, I know Janice has been on our, um, I don't think Eldon has Facebook, but Janice is part of our uh, Facebook page. And so I was going to ask her if there were still some of these available in a box. I think with the way we've been promoting it, if they have some sitting away in a box somewhere, I'm sure we could, they could sell the rest of their um, stock of these. Um, But what it does it. So Red Hill high school actually started 73, 74 after the consolidation. So that's where it starts. And it just takes you through each team from 73, 74, and it this came out in 2003 so it takes you through the 2000 or 2004 so it takes you through the, through the 2003 2004 season it's got the team pictures it's got the schedule the summary of the season how they did in each game it has quotes from players and each coach has a quote for each season and uh it, it just it, yeah pretty cool i mean it goes what yeah, pretty uh, much covers ray brooks chapel Kendall Havel. Wilsey. Yeah. Wilsey and Stoltz. Yep. That's right. So yeah, really, really cool um, resource for you to use. So um, Gary, do you want well, to? Well, I think we should just start, start? Kind of start chronological order and just kind of hit, hit these teams chronologically. And like I said, then maybe our, uh, our, um, we can, we can either figure out, try to determine seedings or we could leave that open to our, to, I don't know. We can figure that out how we're going to go about doing that. But I started off with this with Coach Kendall's first team, the 88-89 team. And I had a, an amazing group coming back that year with uh, led by Lance uh, Lance Smith and Stacy Moore. They went 21 and 5, 12 and 2 in the conference and shared the title with Flora that year. Um, that was the first uh least shared title of the NEC in Red Hill history at that point. Lance and Stacy both made first team all NEC and Lance was just edged out for MVP. Um, who would have gotten MVP that year, Chip? Do you remember? 80, I think it was Dennis Messenger from all. Yes, which yeah. He, he was really good, but I, uh, I kind of I think it was one of those things where maybe Lance and Stacy split. Not there's there's that many voters, but how they talk about when you have two great players like yeah. in Major League Baseball split the vote. So Lance and Lance and Stacy may have split the votes. Dennis Messenger from one of the worst teams in the conference. I don't, he was really good. Don't get me wrong, but um, I I don't know why you give it to the guy from the team that's seventh or eighth in the conference that's kind of like a, a few years later when my, mike rogers i think he got mvp that you know yeah. and, and you know for a team that didn't do much and but just could score and was not the only player the the team had at that point but i think lance averaged about 22 a game stacy 17 a game and then you know you, you throw in some of the role players with mark ambrose and clifford york and uh brandon smith uh dave ha- i mean the, the team had a lot of uh a lot of good talent that obviously would have produce more wins in, in the years down the road. So yeah. And Ambrose got hurt that year. Brandon was the sixth man in that. And then Brandon stepped into the starting lineup and then never came out of the starting lineup. Obviously once he um, entered, um, he he came up the bench his freshman year also, but um, so um, it did hurt to lose Mark, but I don't think they really missed a beat with Brandon. We just lost a little bit. We lost some depth though with that injury. Yeah. And, and talks about in the dog tales, of course, one of the, one of the coolest nights in, in Red Hill history when Eric Holtz hit the buzzer beater, the long shot uh, to win the JV game, and then Stacy hit, hit a buzzer beater 
at the at uh, in the varsity game. So what a night! Uh, yeah, yeah, what a night! Very seldom you're ever going to see that. So you know that was a team that you know probably for for my money, even though they didn't do much, they they lost probably in an upset to Robinson in the regional that year. To me, for my money, this is probably the best team. That's only my opinion. When you look at the talent, and, and I love looking and thinking about this, of like you put like my team, you put Lance and D Holloway in their you know in their in their senior years, and you put Bobby and Stacy. I mean, it just you, you could talk about these things all night. I, I just love love doing that. Hey, I, I just wanted to mention just I, I just saw a picture that reminded me, and 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 I, I I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention this real quick before we move on. Um, I just saw a picture of the cheerleaders and saw uh, Daphne Devonshire's picture. Uh, big loss that we had this week. Uh, Jerry Devonshire, longtime school board member at Red Hill, and then of course a pillar of the of the uh, business community up in Robinson, passed away. So just wanted to send out our condolences to the whole Devonshire family. Um, Jerry was as good a guy as you'll ever meet, honestly, and and he'll he'll be sorely missed. So I just wanted to say that um, because he was a longtime school board member. Um, yeah. So thanks. Yeah, that's a that was a big loss. So it was a very unfortunate, but um, yeah. So, you know, you, you look at that team and, and what they had, and I think really when you kind of look at that schedule, just a couple of the those tough losses, you know, they, they beat Flora to take sole possession of the NEC, and then that next night go to the Saturday night game and play Salem and, and have a defeat and lose to Salem to kind of lose that lead 24 hours later. And, of course, the regional loss was just a heartbreaker. You know, they, they, they lost by 10 points in that game, which is – you know, probably a bit of a shock of how that went down. So I think that's uh, obviously uh, a team that has to be in this tournament for, for all their accolades and their star players, for sure. The victory over uh, North City at the Carmi tournament as well. They were top five in the state at that time. Yeah, if not, yeah, if not number top two, if not number one at the yeah, time. I, mean, was, I remember it was, a, it was an upset. And then, of course, and then we had the then turned around and got beat by Harrisburg the next night. The Saturday uh, night games got us that yeah, season. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They tended to do that for whatever reason. And you know, so. as as this as this season got going with with Coach Kendall, um, this would have been their what third coach in four years, I, I believe. If that's right, that, I think that's right, or close to yeah. it. Um, yeah, I mean, this is for sure, yeah. this yeah. is going to provide some real stability to the Red Hill program that has been missing since Coach Ray left, and and um, so good things to come. But but definitely the beginnings of, of a little stability to the program. So, you know, the next year was 89-90, and, of course, that was, I guess you could call a rebuilding year. Had a pretty good season, but if for the purposes of this, uh, we could only, we're only going to pick six out of the, his top ten teams to do this. So we're going to fast forward to the 90-91 uh, basketball team. Now you have Gene Allen, Eric Holtz, Brandon Smith. You have these uh, Mike, Mike Hayes. Who am I forgetting here? Chad Andrews. Chad Andrews, you know. So, you know, you have a, a great senior Latin team with a, uh, you know, some up and comers that were going to join that, that team went 21 and six, 10 and four NEC. That was the first year we were in the basketball capital classic and, and won that Brandon of Brandon Smith was of course, first time, first time all NEC, but have just another, another heartbreaker in the regional and, um, Newton scores late to go up 47, 48, 47. And we actually had the last second shot. And I was reading that article and Chad Anders ends up getting the shot. I think I can't remember who the kid from Newton was, but they were blanketing Brandon. Of course, everyone in the gym knew that ball was supposed to go to Brandon Smith, but Newton did an amazing job and denying him even the opportunity to do that. And uh, Chad missed a turnaround, turnaround job. That was over at Lawrenceville. I remember being yeah. in that gym perfect, uh, with probably you two, I'm sure. Yeah. And, yep. I was and, with uh, you. Yeah. So that was, uh, you know, 
a wonderful and amazing those these that senior class meant a lot to me as a sophomore that year playing baseball with those guys and you know I know that was uh, there was a picture of Gino in the um, in the Daily Record where he was kind of crouched after the game and I you, you know that that was like just a heartbreaker for those guys. For my money, that team is one to fifteen, the t- most talented team Red Hills ever had. Really, but the bottom guys on that bench could play. Went went on to start. It's you know we're sectional champs yeah. in, their, in their respective senior seasons. So um, like a guy like McCullough didn't even yeah. he didn't really sniff the floor much. You know, right. I mean he, yeah. he wasn't getting a lot. A lot. Rob Waller played quite a bit that year. He was. Uh, Rob like pretty much went two guys. Like Rob and D played a lot off the bench, but other than yeah, but yeah, Matt. As we talked about the Matt McCullough episode, didn't really get a lot of playing time that year. It's a yeah. big team too, isn't it? Yeah, they had some good good size, and uh, you know, my case played some uh, uh, big minutes on that team too, right? Oh yeah, yeah. We yeah. started yeah. five seniors on that team. Yeah. yeah, this would have been the first season for. Hall of Famer uh, Chris Lyles joined the staff in 1991, I know. The year before was Coach Bagby was the assistant. Um, he got a, got one-year assistant run with, with Coach Kendall. The, the much-discussed the uh, Bob Bagby right now on the Facebook page. Something I, want, I, don't, I didn't have it in our notes, for, but I want to talk about Chris Goff and his uh, – because Chris assisted Coach Kendall for the first several years. Oh, yeah, he's so. back again. We said he was just student teaching that one yeah. year, but he's back. He's still on the staff, I see. I think he was actually on 91-92 as well. Yeah, no, that was his – so 90-91 was his last year. So, you know, but he joined – he was with Coach for the first several years. So. And a topic we can talk to Coach Kendall about that Chip brought up uh, a week or so ago when we were starting our research. I'm pretty sure Chris Goff was Coach Kendall's main Stratomatic baseball player partner. So that, that's definitely something yeah, we can get yeah. into. A lot of Stratomatic – that will definitely go in-depth on the Stratomatic. But uh, I believe, yeah, Chris Goff played a lot of Stratomatic. And then I think – I don't know if Bob Lohman ended up playing with him on some of these teams where we talk about it a little bit. Lohman may have been a little strat- a stratomatic player as well when he can't, comes along here in a few years. And I think one of the most amazing things in this, uh, you talk about, again, Brandon Smith and the war of Brandon Smith and all the great things he did is that, and I know I saw a lot of these, but Coach Kendall makes the comment that Brandon hit 10 last second shots to win games in, in, in over his, whether it's a freshman game is or that right? Ten, wow. I mean, it's just or ten game winning shots at the. I mean, it's just, it's just amazing, you know. Uh, just, just amazing what what he what he did as a as a student athlete. Anything else in the ninety ninety one team? Twenty one and six, ten and four in the NEC. Well, that that's the year I. That was my senior year, so it's gonna be hard not to give them the number one seed with. Um, I mean, because you've got the sectional champs as like your second team and your third team's another sectional championship team, along with these five seniors. It's going to be hard not to give them the number one seed, but we'll see. we got another good team coming, Gary. Yeah, we sure do. And damn, was it a good one. I mean, I kind of have 90-91 behind this team, but 91-92, again, I think when you start looking at what Coach Kendall was building here and the practices under Coach Kendall were, I mean – they were practice. I mean, you knew when practice was over because these things were physical. He taught us to play physical. And, you know, each year these guys, these young guys were practicing against the senior teams. I mean, it obviously made them so much better when it was time for them to enter their senior year to play. Let me ask you this, Gary, as as the the only one amongst us that played basketball for him, um, on, on the Birdies Bourbon and Basketball podcast that we do um, over for the, for the uh, Southwest Indiana area, I had a Bar Reeves girls coach Mark Holt in, and he talked about 
basically having players. And he, he had a quote that I never heard, but now I since I heard that a few months ago, I've used it a ton. But he said, you can be good at X's and O's, but you got to have the Jimmys and Joes. And he, Coach Kendall obviously had a real run of real good basketball players. Talk about him from an X's and O's standpoint, because we know there's lots of coaches that have a lot of good Jimmys and Joes, but don't ever really live up to consistent play. He did over years as teams turned over. Talk about his game planning, in-game uh, changes, things like that. Well, I think, too, I think kind of – what was maybe, and we'll get into this more with, with coach, but with coach K, but I think some of the downfall of Ed Chapel is that he was kind of like loosey goosey and there wasn't maybe a whole lot of discipline style to the play. And that's the opposite of coach Kendall. I mean, everything we did was very disciplined. Now, like I said, I didn't play my sophomore and junior years and came in as a senior and had to learn a hell of a lot to catch up with everybody through the summer basketball. But I mean, there was a, we ran the flex and an and emotion, but every, we started off with a, a set play before you would actually get into your offense. A lot of times, not every time, but you know, and just the, the meticulous um, plays that we would run and whether it was even on uh, free throws and some screens that I'd never seen a team set screens on. A, and maybe that happened more than I knew of. And I've never noticed in the game until you kind of learn it, but you know, how many offensive rebounds were gained because of a, a certain way that he had taught guys to go and inbounds plays from the half court. And, you know, whether the different defenses he would teach, whether it be we, we ran a lot of one three one trap and and of course we played a heck of a lot of man-to-man defense too. But, you know, there was nothing that wasn't planned for. Every right. situation was planned for. And it was just, it was just, you know, learn, learning from him and, you know, the style that he did was just just fantastic. I used to love to watch him and him call the, the D Holloway um, cuts off of missed free throws. I, 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 when a free throw was about to happen, my eyes would go right to him to watch him do that little spin move thing with his finger. So, and then I, I don't know. I've ever seen a player get more baskets off missed free throws defensively than what I saw D Holloway do that, that year. And, uh, yeah, so it was just, it was, a, he was just so disciplined. He just was about everything, everything that he did. And, uh, you know, this was probably, I think, probably even though the next year was a heartbreaking loss, I know this one, this one felt. He felt this this loss this particular year. This team was twenty five and four, won the conference, went twelve and two, won another Capital Classic, um, won the regional at home, first one since nineteen seventy five, and it was awesome to do that at home. And that's something else that I'm, I'd like to compile. I don't know what what. I don't know that we lost a home game and probably I know we didn't in the two years of the 91, 92 and 92, 93. We never lost a home. I'm not sure the year prior to that, how many, what our uh, home game winning streak was. Chip, Dave, that's a good point. Um, talk about the atmosphere at, at our gym during those years. You guys were in the crowd for, a, for all or most. It was, it was packed every game. I mean, it was, I, yeah. Couldn't get any better than that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it, and I, I, I've mentioned this before, but it's sad when you look at the pictures when you see yeah. uh, at how the crowds are today. And, and as I always say, it's not always a Red Hill thing. It's it's everywhere where the crowds aren't what they used to be. But, yeah, um, yeah the Tuesday night games were, were very crowded. But those Friday night games when you played rivals like Mount Carmel and Lawrenceville, and it was packed. And um, by the end of the JV game, the place was full. Um, there was, yeah, I, uh, I, I'm biased, but I don't think I've never been to a better atmosphere for, for high school basketball than, than Red Hill in this, 
um, yeah. state of Illinois, and, at least. And especially, there is nothing like back when when the sectional was at our place and they brought in those bleachers and it, oh, yeah. every mm-hmm. single For place sure. they could put them on the stage, below the stage, pull out on the sides, on the, on the uh, south end of the court. Um, it was just incredible. And I'm not so sure... Did they even put seats up in those little corner sections of the? I I think if needed, they'd put some folding chairs. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. If they had a few more people, if they needed to squeeze some more people in there, you had that area too in the two corners. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see if, if let's say they did put seats up there, like what, how many you could get in that gym. Um, That's probably going that one time. I posted that video from the the national anthem. Yeah, right. And uh, they kind of just fan the entire crowd i know that that uh would have been the southwest corner would have been in that video because that's where they broadcast it from was the was the other corner so um three thousand's always been the the number i've heard of the capacity and and the thing is not only that like like say well chip you went with me when tyler zeller was playing at the hatchet house and obviously that place seats 7500 which is cool it's a lot of people but with the way they configured the bleachers at red hill i mean you, if you were sitting on the front row, you were in the game almost. Yeah, I can remember sitting there one game. I may have been in the sectional, and uh, Juice was standing basically right in front of me. I said, "God damn it, Juice, would you go back door?" And then he did. So I take the assist on that basket. But, but uh, yeah, because I at those two sectional games, we'll get to this season in a little bit in the '93 season. You and I sat together in the front row. At, we got tickets at center court on the front row, and uh, a player on this '92 team. Um, Brian Havel, we actually hosted in 89 and 90. We hosted the section. And Brian's always been a basketball junkie like I was. Like, we sit and study Paul and make our all NEC teams and yeah. things like that. So um, we we got tickets that same 89 and 90 on the sectional center court front row. I sat with him. Um, but, yeah, I love those sectional. And then I, when we set our, our reserve seats, I know back in the 70s, we used to host it every single year. Right. And then they end up being on a rotation. Um coming into the the around 83 or so it started rotating but yeah um, i i know we've done a facilities episode but we may even do an episode just on <laughs> on this i, I well i i, I love, love I, can, I hope they play in it forever i can tell tons of stories just silly little stories but i remember talking about that corner up there in the what would that be the southeast corner in that little section i remember the high school kids i was probably in elementary school and the high school kids were up there recording the game you know for game tape and some what reason in their little monitor um they were playing dukes of hazard on a friday night i don't know how they got tv coverage (laughs) there but impressive 81 right so i i remember uh, height and i walked up there and i peaked at that like thought it was the coolest thing we were in a high school basketball game and dukes of hazard was on (laughs) think about that now you know when you can sit and watch anything in the world on your phone so pretty pretty cool go ahead chip and i just on this so a little more on this 92 team um obviously coming in you know, they lost their entire start. So there's no starters returning on this team. Um, Robin D played a lot, but, you know, Havel, McCullough, Mosby, um, Alan Stoltz, um, those guys. Bobby Stevens. Bobby Stevens. Yeah, yeah they, they were not seeing that much. So that much playing time the year before. Um, but I think where they really made a statement was in that Capital Classic. We're playing Mount Carmel, who's one of the favorites in the NEC. They've got a future. Tad Ackerman went on to play at Creighton, is on that team. 
Uh, and we come out and win by 31 points in the Capital wow. Classic Champ against the NEC favorite, 71 yeah. to 40. I That's think crazy. that was a statement um, that these guys were for real, and Red Hill wasn't going anywhere. I'm not sure what we were picked preseason in the, that year, but I'll we lost it was bottom, the, bottom half of the conference. If I remember, if I remember right, we lost the first conference game of the season to Flora. Yeah. Yes. And then didn't lose until Carmine. My tournament. You got yeah. it right, Dave. Yeah. yeah, you don't even have a dog tails book in front no. of you. No, super fan. <laughs> <laughs> no. And I don't know that I, I forget. We may have forgotten to mention, and uh, I don't know if do we say Eric Colts with that not that previous team. I don't I, remember his name, but maybe you did. I, I thought you did because I, I thought Chad Anders is the only one you. I thought you said okay, four, yeah. and I added yeah. Chad Anders. So sure but anyway, I think what in uh, again one of Coach Kendall's quotes is that he basically says like I was as depressed when like Gino and Brandon and Holtzy those guys lost their game. He was as depressed as he ever been. He was sitting in his uh, office about a week after the game, and then here comes a visit from McCullough, Havel, Mosby, Rob Waller, you know, the other seniors in that team that basically said, like, Coach, we're we're going to get this done. Like, we're ready to go, you know. And and I think that's something that was really, really cool that, um, you know, that, that really probably motivated him and made him feel good because these guys were kind of unknowns at this point. Well, no and, one thought about them. And it's funny, it's funny too, because, I mean, that those guys had success. They were they had tremendous success from fifth grade on. Yeah. So it's unknown, but just because they had the fact that they just had, there was so much talent ahead of them, you know, in the previous classes, they just didn't get any varsity playing time. Right. But yeah, best, they yeah, had the ninety. If we're gonna have the best JV team of all time, say, yeah, the ninety ninety one JV team was the best JV team ever yeah. at Red Hill. Yeah. I remember. Mosby's I smell their own told, podcast. <laughs> Mosby's always told the story that. uh Bagby, the year that he was assistant coach, basically said they were the best JV team in the state, and people would come to see them. Yeah. <laughs> what a motivator! What like, a motivator! They're like six. I mean, I think I don't know if they lost that season. If they if they did, it was only like one time. I can't like, imagine they would have. They were sixteen and 0, 16 and one as JV team. So you know, hey, it, coming into that season, they were they were picked like sixth. Yeah. Hey, speaking of great teams, don't forget our great sponsors on the Old School Red Hill Podcast. We truly appreciate their support, and we hope that you will let them know that you heard about them right here. And, of course, that is Gray's Restaurant in Bridgeport, People State Bank, and four locations, Andrew's Insurance Agency, Juice and T-Bone right there, and Tyler Griffin's Pizza House. Um, Thank you very much for your sponsorship. Go see them and tell them that you heard them right here on the Old School Red Hill Podcast. So kind of wrap up real quick, this 91-92 team, you know, they, of course, won the regional at home and got the sectional, was at Newton that year, and uh, got the first win over Martinsville, 60-52, to 52, and then they know they're getting Kylie Waltney again in the, in the, in the championship game. And, um, you know, after the year before, losing 48-47, to 47, and then this this loss was, you know, just a, just a heartbreaking loss. And I just remember sitting at that game, I remember where we were sitting, and that was one of those environments too. Newton had a really amazing environment that night. I know we got yeah, there did. like an, probably an hour before the game started and the gym's like almost packed already, you know, so just an amazing environment. And that, what a feeling that oh, is before oh, a big a game feeling. like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could just feel the electricity in the game, in the air. And you, there at the end of the game, you knew it's like Fairfield was Gwaltney and like Eric Murphy. And then it was like, they didn't know. I mean, they didn't have, it was a lot of role players, which yeah. that's what I was going to say about coach Kendall too, is that he was really good at coaching role players and what, 
to make them feel like that they were, you know, a real important part of, you know, setting screens and all those kinds of things that got the, you know, got the Holloways open and McCullough's open and, 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 and to let those guys do the majority of the scoring. Well, and, and, and that was a common theme. I mean, two of the best players in Red Hill history that we've, that we've interviewed Susan Wright and Mandy Cunningham. And how much did they, in those interviews talk about those, those players they were surrounded by? You know, this game, we, we had a lead early on and, um, you know, we're playing really good ball, but Fairfield kind of creeps back into it. And then you could tell the game, I mean, they, it was fourth quarter. And it's like, you could almost tell when Collie Walton, he started bringing the ball up the court, the game was on the line and he hit a bomb three pointer to kind of pull him in. And of course, you know, we, unfortunately, which was a common theme that we hate to hear and missed the, uh, missed the front of it, a one-on-one. And then Gwaltney comes down and hits a 15 footer at the buzzer to, just uh, send us home in a really, really sad way. And Fairfield goes to state that year. They, I think they lost their first game, I think, but yeah. Yeah. But yeah, then they, cause we, I went to that super sectional game and, um, and then also to the, um, and I remember watching the elite eight game on TV, but uh, yeah, Gwaltney just went, he like lost it in the something mental went out. Like he could not, I remember that I, I could look on the IHSA website, but I think in the super sectional, he went like two of seven from the free throw line. Then went like oh for eight from the free throw line at state. Wow, it was is like, that right? Got the yips. And this is a guy that was like automatic at the yeah. He got the yips. He seemed like automatic at the line. I think I've heard that story. He wow. was great until he was. Gr- yeah. He hit that last second shot in sus and then got the yips. Wow. Oh wow. What a yeah, weird. I what a, I, yeah, I had never heard that before. What an interesting story. And like, I might be exaggerating the numbers a little bit, but I know he couldn't hit a free throw. Um, may not have been oh for eight, but think about how. Uh, it, how so i don't know if there's others but you know obviously the free throws in the staunton game this free throw here think about how different our entire legacy of basketball would be if just two of those go in i mean yeah just Mm -hmm. just crazy so kids shoot your free throws yeah but but with the except in the 91 92 you know in the 92 sectional championship there um one thing i'll always remember you know besides the you know the missed free throw obviously um so, but I've always said though, if Rob hits both those free throws, Gwaltney's coming down and hitting a three point. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's chances that for sure. <laughs> but um, we played as good as we could possibly play in that second half. And McCullough, yeah. uh, he touched on that when we interviewed him last summer. Um, they ran their offense to perfection. I don't know if they made, they they shot probably 70 percent for the field. It's just Gwaltney just. Yeah, he took over. He just took over. I mean, and Mosby couldn't have guarded him any better on that bomb three pointer he hit. Um, you know, he threw, he shot that from twenty feet away, just with went with, in. with was, him in his face, huh? Yeah, yeah exactly. Right, so. And I've got uh, so I've got these numbers here. So in the set in the, at the super sectional, you know, four nights after um, that last second shot against Freeburg, he had, a, he had 16 points, which is about 16 points under his average yeah. and 15 rebounds, but it was four of 13 from the free throw wow. line that night. And then when we go to his, so then, um, so they win, they go to Friday night, Friday afternoon, they play at assembly hall and Gwaltney went over seven from the line that day at assembly hall, 12, 12 points over seven from the line. So my first inclination <laughs> on that would be, was there something in his depth perception that was exaggerated by the larger arenas. Mm-hmm. It could have, yeah. It was that's something. Yeah, <laughs> something happened. And um, Dave, the last second shot, then goes four out of twenty from the line wow. in his next, no. his last two games of his career. David didn't King he, didn't Gwaltney go on to play? Didn't he play at Rose Holman? Or yeah, something? he yeah he and Waller played together at Rose. Rob Waller played together at Rose Holman. So did he 
I guess he figured it out. He must have figured point. it out. Because I think he had a decent <laughs> career. I don't know all of his yeah. numbers there, but I think it was a, he had a solid career there. Yeah. Lives up in Sherman, Illinois now. Okay. Dave, David King, is there anything you'd like to say for the, you know, in the early 90s that we've missed some free throws that will really cost us? And you got cut while being at the top of the free throw line. Yeah, it, 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 can we blame Richard Dixon for all this? I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm saying, you know, the, the Allen Walls one-on-one game, I mean, may have changed it. May have changed the trajectory of Red Hill basketball. Yeah, forever. that's true. That's true. We're going to have to do a follow up episode with Coach Dixon and really, really dive into this. Nah, we're kidding. We love you, Coach. So, uh, moving on now. So, uh, another heartbreaker uh, in the sectional this time. So, just a, another step further. Uh, we go to the 92 93 team, will be next on this list. Uh, finished 23 and 8 uh, regular season, just a 9 and 5 record in the conference, but won our third straight Capital Classic. Beat Lawrenceville in a, the regional championship game, which you go back, and that's, that that was a really good basketball game. We were down almost the entire game and had a great comeback in the fourth quarter, and Holloway gets a three-point play on a near dunk, and that kind of turned the tide, too. And if you ever – that game is on YouTube. That's a fun one to go back and watch because it was a pretty amazing atmosphere. It was Lawrenceville, Red Hill, and the regional championship over at Olney. So that was um, – we were down 10 points in the third quarter in that game. And uh, came back and came back and won, and then we got to go to the super section. Got to go to the sectional at home. And I remember before the uh, before the, the the regional championship game at Olney, the the Wabash Sound and Video, I think, is who did our games at that point. They were interviewing Joe Jones, and it gives me chills when Joe Jones says, "Like if they win tonight, I'm going to give these guys like a good shot of going to state because he knew we had it at home, and we didn't lose at home. We just didn't." Yeah, right. And that interview is also on uh, YouTube. Yes, it is. So, you know, going into that season, the at that point, we thought we weren't – if you look at all the preseason articles for that 92-93 that season, Bobby Stevens is not mentioned. At that point, we didn't think we were going to get Bobby. They were going through a process of a, of a waiver and talking to the state officials about his eligibility. So going into – I think we were picked again by probably sixth or seventh in the conference. I don't know. Um, but, you know, had basically, besides Holloway, no one that had any – varsity experience i hadn't played in two years uh you know so it wasn't looking great and you know we had a you know won the capital classic um uh, in a you know beat Marksville in the championship game there but you know obviously winning the regional won the sectional home and then of course you know the heartbreaker against staunton in the in the super sectional God. again by again missed free throws again cost us the which their comeback you know hitting Three pointers at the end of regulation. End well, of listen, we we can talk about all we want. Red Hill makes a free throw; it's all over. Blah 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 blah. Beat that to death. Those guys hit some incredible yeah. shots. Oh, yeah, I, mean, I mean, come yeah. on. Yeah, I know. It's uh, that's again. It's like fate, destiny. I don't know what you call it, but you know, it was. Uh, and that was again. I'll, I'll never forget that when we ran out of our hub, our, our tunnel for the first time and. Because that they had the 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 team the fans set up on each side of the court and they split the base of the court in half. So we ran out in front of our fans the first time, and that's I still hear that roar for the first time, and that's something that you'll never forget or you'll never uh, experience that obviously you'll never get again. But oh my gosh, what an environment that was! It, even in the big gym, it was so loud that night. My goodness, it was awesome. one of the most fun I've ever had watching a high school basketball game, and. Of course, I'm just speaking for the fans, so I can't even get, you know, can't even imagine what Gary went through. But biggest gut punch of a loss. I, I mean, I was just depressed afterwards. And, and yeah. It's yeah, like Brian. Brian. 
I would say, well, Brian got there early that I was a, I was an EIU student. Brian got there early that day. And I remember we, we went over to Lance arena um, about two o'clock that afternoon, just to soak in the empty gym uh, feeling and went to, sir, got to, went to McDonald's, got a couple quarter pounders after <laughs> oh, that. Sure. Those are a normal lunch up in Charleston. Um, so yeah, just uh it was so cool to be in there. They were, they were putting the names up on the scoreboard at the time. They were like the PA, the PA was, um, um, t- testing the PA and so forth. And then, yeah, talk about, I mean, no, that was a college gym. I talk about great atmosphere. That atmosphere that night was probably because you can fit more in that place. That may have been the greatest atmosphere ever. Um, yeah. uh, I lost my EIU hat that night I was wearing. It went under the bleachers during all the excitement at one point. And, um, cause that's when EIU had pull out bleachers on the floor. So I lost a hat. Um, oh. <laughs> but, um uh, yeah, but tough loss. I'll tell you like a couple of the other things. I can't remember if this was before the sectional championship game. I think it, it was, is that being in school that day and walking through or whatever day it was, they were selling the tickets for the first time and just walking down the main hallway, probably towards the gym and seeing the line of people waiting in line to go into our, into the office to buy tickets. I mean, now it's like as a, as a kid and as a 17 year old kid, you see these people, the, the Bridgeport community and the Red Hill community that, that supported us was so awesome. And that was just a really, really neat feeling. And then going to the super sexual game, which was interesting. We got out of school like at 11 or 11.30 that day. And Coach Kendall and the team, we went to Gray's for lunch. Thanks to Todd Gray for that. So we had we had lunch at Gray's and then got on the bus. We, we were in Charleston probably by like 3 or 4 o'clock that day. And I know Coach uh, Coach Lyles took us. He, he had gone to EIU and he took us on a on a tour of the, like the – the weight room and all the stuff were like the, the, the indoor track. We got to do all that. And we sat in the bleachers for the longest time, but we weren't allowed to get on the floor. Like there was no shoot around prior to the game. So when we took the floor for the first time, it was the first time any of us had shot on that goal, which it was the same for Staunton, not saying that, but I thought that was just really that we weren't even allowed to have any opportunity to well, shoot around they had there. to keep everything equal. You can't, yeah. you can't give one team an advantage because they get there early to get on the floor. Right, right, right. So. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, I thought that they provided that opportunity for both teams. <laughs> oh, it would have been yeah. interesting because it is a lot different than playing in a small, uh, small gyms and to go into a place like that. I mean, it can be somewhat intimidating, but obviously, you know, uh, both teams played pretty good that night and uh, had a had a great game. So, unfortunately, that kind of ends Coach Kendall's amazing five year run. And uh, you know, we knew the the, the end of that was going to come at some point. So, you know, ninety three, ninety four, and ninety four, ninety five were a couple really rough seasons. Um, I think Coach saw saw that he had talent, and um, he knew that he wanted he wanted to continue to coach there. 95-96 was a, a, not a great season. Steve Wilson was out the first part of the year. And then they had the unfortunate car accident with um, Ryan Waldrop and Jared and Jason Bryan, which you know put Jared out for the whole year, and he was a heck of a player. So that team um, unfortunately didn't have, have the best of year. Um, and then that takes us to our next team in this. And these are a couple teams that I was not around Bridgeport at this time, so didn't know a whole lot about. But the next team we are, we're going to enter in our six-team tournament is the 1996-1997 Red Hill team. Uh, that's This team finished uh, 19, uh, 19 and 11. Um, they won the Capital Classic. Uh, so the 96-97 team, uh, Billy Gray and uh, Matt Brashear, Jared Bryan, Landon Leasty, Travis Stolting, and Steve Wilson. Uh, won the regional that year, um, uh, and they made it to the sectional. Had had one sectional victory and lost to uh, was it uh, Carmi in the sectional that year. Uh, the ninety six ninety seven loss to um, yeah. It, 
and that was a 53-50 loss. Carmi went on to the Elite Eight that year. So um, they, because we had Madison coming up in the Sweet 16, I'm pretty sure. I think that's who Carmi played in the Sweet 16. So, um, yeah, I mean, almost, and Carmi in the regular season, how did we done again? We beat them in the regular season at least once. 40 was, to 38, I see that one. And then uh, split with them and then got yeah, them in the sectional yeah. title game. It was over at Olney. I remember that night. And, uh, Front row that night, only over on the uh, um, in a different gymnasium. Love front, I love front row at sectional. Um, I agree, but yeah, I mean that's a. I know we don't talk as much about those teams because it wasn't from our era that we were in school or close as close to that age. But um, another team that had a legit chance to make it to the Elite Eight would have been in. Peoria is where they would have played in the Elite Eight that year. A different sport, David King, but uh, I see that our most disappointing loss was to those oblong Panthers who always seem to be a thorn in our side. Yeah. (laughs) I think this probably says a lot for, you know, Coach Kendall's from Carmine. We'll talk about that a lot. But this is a team that, you know, could score some points. But then you go play Carmine. Carmine played that style of basketball that it was like Hoosiers five passes until you're allowed to shoot. I mean, they've slowed it down. You look at those scores of the, the Red Hill Carmine games that year, there weren't a lot of points scored in those games. So every possession became very, very precious. And a lot of times Carmine was able to come out on the, on the better end of that. A lot of times. Yeah. Who were so the our seniors, seniors on that year? team? Were yeah. Billy Gray, Jared, Bryan, uh, Matt Brashear would have been seniors that year. Uh, looking through the rosters. who else would have been the seniors on that team. Um, yeah, those may have been all the seniors. Yeah, and you had some, of course, you had some, then some up and comers because the next year. Chad Hayes um, may have been a senior. Yeah. I think uh, he's next year. The next year, the 97 98 team, which uh, would be Coach Kendall's last year as head basketball coach for the boys' team, uh, a 24 and 7 season, uh, 10, and, 10 and 4 in the conference, another Capital Classic championship. I believe this will be our first, but in the NEC, Steve Wilson gets player of the year in the conference that year. I know Lance was the runner-up um, in his senior year. Coach Kendall wins his fourth regional title. Uh, you had Jason Bryan and Landon Leasty had had pretty good seasons that year. Um, but look who gets us in the sectional, T-Town. Um, you know, so another regional championship, another first-round win in the sectional over Casey, and then T-Town got us pretty handily. Those teams were – typically loaded, but that year they had a really good team too. And uh, we took a pretty uh, convincing loss in the sectional championship in that one. Yeah. That 98 was a really good senior class. They were another one of those groups that had success ever since they were little kids. Yeah. uh, Steve Wilson, Josh Young, Travis Stolting um, were, then who else were seniors on that team? Um, Moore. He would have been a junior on that team. So I know those were your, and then Adam Thacker would have been a junior and then um, Josh Hayes, Young, Josh, Josh Young, yeah, okay. Derek, Derek McCullough, Chad Hayes. There were, there were one of those groups that had a lot of kids that um, stuck, you know, a, a senior class. They probably had six or seven seniors on that on that team. Um, some played more than others, obviously. But and then you had that good 99 class right behind him and some and then some, some good sophomores coming up. The yeah. we know that 2000 team ended up being pretty good, which we talked with Coach Wilsey about. I mean, there are a lot of there's some good players on that team. Be interesting. Yeah, so we'll get we'll get into this with Coach to kind of find out because he left uh, he left a lot of talent. That 20 that was would have been Wilsey's first year. That next year was the 23 and 18, 13 and one in the NEC. I mean, so that team was obviously loaded too. So it'll be interesting to talk to him about his decision to leave at that point. 
Gary yeah, Wilsey having it. a good year down at Evansville Day this year. Um, they've uh, they're having some success and peaking at the right time, going getting close to sectional time here in Indiana. So and, and, and I remember after that Casey sectional game that um, when we lost to we lost to T Town in the championship game that we lost seventy two fifty four, and I remember after that game being that saying that was the first time I really I mean and I, we lost by eighteen like that one that was the first time we lost in a sectional or with these good teams or a regional where it like didn't it didn't really hurt as bad because like we were the T-Town was the better team that night, I think. Yeah. Whereas those losses we talked about with all these other teams in the postseason, this is the first of those six teams that actually had to play a team that I think was better than them in the postseason and lost to. That 97, 98 team may have been his like biggest team. I mean, when you look yeah. at this picture, I mean, there's some, I mean, cause uh, you know, I think Landon was probably six, four, six, five. And you got Josh and Steve Wilson that were not only tall, but just, yeah, just, just strength, strength too. I right. Mean, big guys. Strength may have been the strongest team. And then when like we Gary, talked to, when Gary Wilsey called in that night, he was talking about that next year, how, just how big the, those guys were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that kind of, that's, that's our six teams here that we've kind of picked um, for this tournament. Now I'll kind of throw mine out there. I don't know what you guys think, but, you know, of course, you have uh, two teams get a first-round bye in, in mine. And like I said, my number one seed's the 88-89 team with Lance and Stacy and Clifford and Brandon and those guys. My number two seed's the 91-92 team with Mala, McCullough, Havel, Mosby, Holloway. Uh, those teams are also, the, you know, in terms of just wins. I mean, uh, the 25-4 from McCullough's team. But a couple really good, and those were both our NEC champions um, in those both of those classes. Number three, I went with a 90-91 team. That's who I chose for that was a 21-16. and 16. I know this is crazy, and it's my own team, but I put my own team as the fourth seed with sexual champs. Um, not a great NEC year that year. And then um, going the, the five seed would be the 97-98 team that won a regional. And then the six seeds, the 96-97 And this so is where the debate. This is where the debate's going to come in, right? Like, do you only talk about the regular season or do you take the fact that that team, 92-93, are the only team that, that got to the semi-state? And I go match up. So in my head, it's not even about that. I go to the match. Well, that's what I'm saying. There's five, different ways, yeah. If you put these five teams on the four, or you put these five kids and the six and seven yeah. players on the, and the, the four, who comes out? So do we want to seed them, and then we'll let the masses vote on the bracket in the tournament? Is that how we want to do it? Well, I'm curious to what your guys' seedings would be then. All right. Chip, what's yours? I haven't thought about this much. Okay, I'm going to go. Oh, man, this is tough. Um, Really tough. (laughs) I think my number one seed – I, I do give postseason some some credit here. It may not be a theme throughout, but most wins, the 25 wins is huge. Um, they got to the sectional title game. They were legit, could have won, won a state title. They were as good, as, that Finley team was really good, but they were as good as anybody Assembly Hall that year. I'm going 91-92 as my number one seed. Um, that's, and that, that's tough. And I know... Some of our our listeners from the late '90s uh, were probably not giving. We may not give them as much credit, but uh, get your people out there on the Facebook page and vote if you think that they're deserving. Uh, yeah, I mean, these are the seedings, right? So the real yeah. debate and the real uh, matchup 
votes are going to come in the tournament. So uh, the seedings, while important, you know, not the, I got to give my one. I got to give my um, class of ninety one a, a buy in the first round. So the number two seed is the 90-91 team that featured the 92 and 93 teams on the bench outside of Gary. Um, everybody else that was on this 92 and 93 team, Scott Murray, I don't think he was there. But um, the rest of them are sitting on the bench. That's pretty – I like depth. That's one of the things with the 92-93 had a great starting five, and a couple guys came up – Jason Young provided great minutes off the bench. But uh, after that, they didn't yeah. have – Tucker play, Tucker was was decent bench player, but they didn't have a lot a lot of depth in that team. I don't so, see I don't see any guys made it through that season without you know without somebody getting in major foul trouble and causing issues. They did a little you know the regional championship game, the sectional championship game. We didn't sub one time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yes. and then very little in the super sectional. Yeah. D got into foul trouble. Had to. I came out early in the second quarter. D came out in the third quarter. Um, uh, yeah, so so you, your your number two. So I, I kind of jumped around there. So yeah, ninety ninety one is my number two. So you got to give them a buy. I mean, I mean, and I may pick them to win the whole tournament because if I've got Brandon on my team and you don't, uh, I might pick you to uh, in the championship game. Um, my number three seed. Uh, love these guys. If if these guys are your number three seed, you have some great teams. The eighty eight eighty nine team is my three seed. Um, just I mean. Lance and Stacy, just what a combo. I mean, you talk about the great combos. It's Lance and Stacy. It's D and Bobby. It's Chuck and Berkeley. It's Mark McAdown, whoever else scored 20 points that game. <laughs> um, great one, the great. And um, I got, I was on the JV team that year. So getting to be part of that and being in practice with them all the time. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't good enough to practice head to head with them, but I may have been sitting on the stage, but just, they were, I love that group. They were such, they were very hard workers and very focused, but those guys had more fun in practice than any group Clifford and Lance. And those, I mean, if you've ever been around them, I mean, they're, they're not, it's nonstop laughs when you're around those guys. So they had more fun in practice than anybody I've ever seen also. So 88, 89 team, another team that definitely, uh, wow. What a, what a disappointment losing that regional game. I thought we could go all the way that year. My number four seeds, 92, 93. I got to give them some postseason. I mean, gosh, they went to the super sectional. Um, so hit, it's it's gonna be hard to vote against them with the supers and and when D and Bobby are going crazy, I mean they can definitely beat anybody in this tournament. This is gonna be fun to debate. This is <laughs> and then my number five. Oh, go ahead, Brian. No, I was just gonna say this is gonna be a lot of fun when we get into then, the real debate on these games. My number five seeds the ninety seven ninety eight team, and then my number six team is the ninety six ninety seven team. Um, and I hate but, that for that team. I think they're gonna be everyone six seed. <laughs> But they were with we, we chose them over one of those uh, like Brandon's junior year team, I believe, right? So and like, I will say with the 96, 97 team got in the tournament and they because they got a sec to a sectional title game, they only yeah. lost by three. But um I'm sure if Dave Hobbs is listening to this podcast right now and Gino and Ronnie Cullison and Ashley Hessler and Eric, I bet if they're listening to this podcast, I think they'd like to take since they're not getting in the term, the 88, 89, 90 team, I bet they'd like a crack at some of these teams that are getting in the tournament. And yeah, feel free yeah. to debate that on the Facebook page. That's right. So I'm going to make it simple. Um, I'm going to, I'm because again, I think the real games come in when we in inside the tournament. So I'm just going to make it really easy. I'm going to go by victories. So the 91, 92 team won 25 games. So I'm just going to give them my number one seed. 
And then the 97-98 team that went 24-7, and wow. seven, I'm going to give them the my two seed, and then we'll go – we can do it later, but we'll just go down. I'm just going to go by total wins for okay, my seeding. that's fair. That's a good way to do it. I'm, uh, I'm putting 91-92 as my top seed as well. Um, I may be, Maybe I'm biased. I don't know. But um, I, I think maybe talent-wise, not the greatest – not the best talent we've ever had, but I think that was the best team we've ever had. Okay. Um, yeah. Just role players. You know, you had your stars, you had your role players, um, and they just, they meshed perfectly. Yeah. Said that, that it was, it sucked that they lost that sectional championship game. All right. But, but, and, they couldn't have played any better as a team that and day. And Dave, I've got actually got a quote from our future guest, Fred Kindle. Fred Kindle's quote about that 91-92 team, this was probably our best ball club Ooh. we ever that we had here. That yeah. says a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I mean, when you start looking at this, like how much talent we had in those years is incredible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, gosh. 90, 91 versus 88, 89. <sighs> that's hard. That's it. Yeah, that's, who had more wins? Let's see. 91 had more wins, right? Same amount of wins. Same amount of wins. <laughs> <laughs> Both lost the regional championship. Um, 91 team had more losses, but they played okay, more games. Uh, okay, <laughs> fine. I'm, I'm, going, I'm going 92, 93. My Were you number two? Oh, you're on 9293. I thought I was thinking. No, I, I said, I, I'm, I'm, oh, okay. I'm going to give them the edge over those two teams. Just, oh yeah, nine, they had 23 wins. They had more wins than the other teams. So uh, then I'll go. God. So you got 88-89, These first four are interchangeable pretty well. Um, let's go. I'll give 90-91 the the nod at number three, just because I, I've said that before. I 88, 89 is going to be a four seed. Maybe we'll see. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, Josh, but, uh, I might have something to say about that. Probably I good. still say, and I, I mentioned this earlier. I still think that the 90, 91 team top to bottom one to 15, most talented squad Red Hills ever had. Um, now that talent wasn't all, you know, wasn't utilized, you know, in game, but the last person on the bench was a starter on a sectional championship team. Yeah. yeah. That's, hey. you know, there, hey, there's say. lots of arguments to be made. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm smelling an old school Red Hill alumni basketball tournament, like a real one. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, we could, uh, we could do this fantasy stuff and then just throw the yeah. ball out. I have a feeling the 96, those, uh, or the 97, 98 teams probably in a lot better shape than some of us are at this point. So. I'll give them the nod at five, I guess, and then in the night or the the, the ninety eight team at number five, ninety seven, ninety six, ninety seven. Yeah. Well, I I wish I knew more about those teams. I was I did not live in the area at the time, and I don't know if I ever saw them play. Yeah, so, so I, Brian, you have a decision to make here. Okay, people that people listeners that you know were more in tune with that team, you know, feel free to throw as much input on that team as, as we can because it's not our strong suit. Yeah, there you go. I'm assuming, I'm assuming because sure. I'm assuming because the 88-89 team had they were 21 and 5, they get your four seed and the 21 win 90-91 team get your five seed. Sure. Because they had a, and they did have a better NEC record also. Yeah, we'll yeah, go to, that, yeah, yeah okay. that that'll be my my tiebreaker is NEC record. 
So are we going to make, are we going to, I haven't done this yet, but I wrote all these down. I can, are we going to actually see how this plays out? And that's going to be the tournament. on. Yep, the, do on the Facebook? math, yeah. Yeah. do the all math, right. get the we, seedings we can take, chip. Can, do we, can do we want to take a commercial break right now and do the math? And uh, we can do the math real quick here. Uh, I tell you what, let's do this. Let's wrap up the podcast, leave people hanging. And then this will drop on Monday. And then on Tuesday, we can put the brackets up. How about that? Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Well, anything else guys to wrap this up? No, this was fun. I'm looking forward to this. This is the kind of stuff I live for. (laughs) Yeah. This is pretty cool. Yeah. It just goes back. It's a great intro to the when we're going to get coach Kendall in studio. A lot of people probably don't know him very well, and to get a, listen to him tell tell his stories about these these teams, and and not only but his girls' teams afterwards. It's absolutely it's be yeah. Pretty, and yeah, and, and you know I'm he's intrigued. an go ahead. Dave. I'm intrigued to get feedback from him. Well, I was going to say, so we know he's an X's and O's guy, Gary. Yeah. We know he's a a behind-the-scenes strategy from his Stratomatic baseball days. Yes. <laughs> Gary, if you give him this assignment, he's got two weeks to work on it. He may have every matchup. Oh, yes. I mean, he could. Yeah. He might really dive into this, and that would be our hope. So we can two weeks from today, we can talk to him about we, that. We but, can talk to him for two hours about this tournament alone. Absolutely. I have a feeling. I have a feeling with this one. Coach, I think we we may have a record on our hands for the length of the show unless we have to break it up like a big Well, listen, as Robert Clymer uh, instructed his band to do uh, many, many times in these games, we're going to fire up the Red Hill Fight song. Thanks, Juice, for this idea. Yeah, this is going to be a good yeah, one. Yeah, Juice and, uh, and all the people at Andrews Insurance, People State Bank, Gray's Restaurant in Bridgeport, and, of course, Tyler Griffin's Pizza House. We appreciate that. On behalf of Gary Emmons... David King, I'm Brian Emmons, and of course, the executive producer of this program is Chip Jamerson. We really, really appreciate you listening, and this is going to be a lot of fun as we dive into Red Hill basketball. And don't forget, we are Red Hill. And as a special tribute to Jerry Devonshire, I'm going to play Hail Purdue. As Jerry said in his obituary, boiler up.